This morning comes from Matthew 5, 1 through 12. If you're using your pew Bibles, you can find that on page 809 this morning. Here we find the scripture sets the beginning of Christ's ministry and his discourse into a planned, what I call, echo of Isaiah 61. It's a passage that is certainly eschatological in its orientation. Hear now the reading of the word. Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowd, he went up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Mark. Well, some of you thought I was going to preach from 1 Timothy today. I've been talking about going to 1 Timothy after Isaiah, and I still plan to do that here in a number of weeks. But in between Isaiah and 1 Timothy, I want to spend a number of weeks here in the Beatitudes, um, one of my favorite portions of scripture uh, gives us really a beautiful snapshot of life in the kingdom. Um, and as Mark mentioned, it was the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist to fulfill all righteousness and as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So here is Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the, the, the promised anointed one who is being revealed to the world. Then, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and prayed. And when it seemed like Jesus was most vulnerable, the devil threw his very best punches at God's beloved son, but Jesus never caved. Jesus obeyed his father's will perfectly. And you'll remember that the Israelites failed when they were in the wilderness for 40 years here 
Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, and he is the perfect, righteous Son of God. After learning that John the Baptist had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, and here he began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Chapter 4, verse 17. So, Jesus is basically saying this, the king of God's kingdom is here. I am the way into the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Then later, while he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus began to call his disciples to follow him. And in chapter 4, verse 23, 23 we read, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So just just as the Old Testament had promised, the Messiah would come, and he is now here to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover the sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. So that which was promised has now come in the person of Jesus. And we come to chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. We read this, seeing the crowds, he went up onto the mountain and when he sat down, that was the normal position of a teacher who taught with authority in that day. So He sat down and his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, and then what follows first of all in this great sermon are the Beatitudes or this list of blessings. So before we look today at the very first Beatitude or blessing, there are a couple of things that we need to understand about them. First, I think it's helpful to realize that the Beatitudes or these blessings are fruit of the gospel. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, we are not told, live like this and you will become Christians. Rather, we are told, because you are Christians, live like this. So how do you become a Christian? It's through the gospel. In chapter 4, verse 23, we learn that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Again, what is the gospel? It's the the fact that Jesus died on the cross to bring sinners back to God. So the, the gospel is lavish grace. Jesus is such good news, not not because we deserve his favor. That that would be what we really deserve is judgment and hell, but the gospel is such great news because God accepts us based upon the righteousness of Jesus, not our own. So our standing before God is all grace. It's all unmerited favor. And that, that's the second main point that I want you to see this morning. If you are blessed, you have received God's favor as an undeserved gift. This is, in fact, grace. We have Redemption through the blood of Jesus. Forgiven, reconciled, set free from sin. In Jesus, we have life and every blessing. That is grace. The Sermon on the Mount is not the gospel. Or rather, the Sermon on the Mount reveals the kind of life 
that will be produced by the gospel. Again, it, it's all grace. But this word, blessed, is kind of hard to translate. Um, we, we have difficult, difficulty understanding the idea here. Um, and to give you kind of a sampling, here, here is a quick survey of what others have said about this word, blessed. Um, one Greek-English lexicon defines blessed as a privileged recipient of divine favor. Uh, a theological dictionary of the New Testament says, blessed is a distinctive joy which comes through participation in the divine kingdom. Uh, Strong's Concordance translates the word that Jesus uses here as supremely blessed, fortunate, well-off, happy. Uh, D.A. Carson suggests that to be blessed means to have God's approval on your life. Uh, John MacArthur calls this concept blissful, not, not a superficial, superficial feeling of well-being based on circumstance, but a deep supernatural experience of contentedness based on the fact that one's life is right with God. Ed Welch says, the blessed are honored, their status is enviable, they are obvious recipients of divine approval and favor. Um, Philip Yancey says lucky is the closest to get this concept in our contemporary culture because it is the kind of happiness you cannot deserve or earn or work for on your own. So oftentimes when we think of this term here, blessed, uh, what pops into our mind is the idea of just being happy. And I think that is good. That's a big part of the word, um, being happy. But it's much more than that. It's really a deep-seated joy or a state of well-being or contentedness because it's, it's, it's because God has chosen to give you grace. Let me offer this as a definition. If you are blessed, you have received God's favor as an undeserved gift, making your sor source of joy and contentment in life being God himself. So, being blessed by God is not something that you earn or achieve. God um, gives blessedness as a gift. He shows favor to people who have no right to it whatsoever. Um, it, it is simply in an expression of God's grace, which is always a surprise when we receive it. Um, it's kind of fascinating to think about how the Old Testament ends in Malachi 4.6 with a curse for disobedience. But as Jesus begins his preaching, his earthly ministry, he does so by pronouncing these markers of divine favor. So blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and so forth. So when you are blessed, you have received God's favor as an undeserved gift. It's, it's all grace. And I want to convince you that it's all grace. And proof number one is this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the hard workers who are self-sufficient. 
Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the ones who have kept their noses clean and have a long track record of doing nothing but good. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So I, I suggest here is proof that being blessed by God is all grace. How, how can you take any credit for earning God's blessing or favor when the very first quality highlighted by Jesus for being considered blessed by God is actually being poor in spirit? What does poor in spirit mean? It's not a financial term. It's not financial bankruptcy. It's not monetary poverty, material poverty. Rather, it's personal. It, it is a personal acknowledgement of our spiritual bankruptcy. It, it's a conscious confession of our utter sinfulness and unrighteous, unrighteousness before a holy God. It's a form of genuine repentance. We're poor in spirit when we understand that God alone is holy and that we fall far short of God's glory. Uh, in fact, in Isaiah 64, 6, we read this, we know that righteous acts that we do in our own strength are nothing more than filthy rags before God. So when... The news story flashes with yet another mass shooting or a government corruption or a sports scandal or rebellion against God's design for marriage and gender. The one who is poor in spirit is quick to think and believe and say, oh, but for the grace of God go I. If, if it were not the grace of God, that's where I would be and even worse. Be, being poor in spirit is the result of God giving us eyes to see His glory and eyes to see our own sinfulness. And it's God's undeserved gift that gives us repentance and faith that leads us to salvation. Sin, sin made us spiritually dead. Grace made us alive to God. A mark of God's undeserved favor is that we are and we are growing in being poor in spirit. Now, this is radically different than the message that we hear in the world. In the world we hear what you need more than anything else. In light of all of your problems, what you really need more than anything else is a good self-esteem. You need to learn to love yourself. You need to be self-confident. You need to celebrate you. Now, being poor in spirit doesn't diminish the fact that we are made in the likeness and image of God. We're different than all the rest of creation in that way. We have value as human beings because we are made by God in His image and likeness. But we were created to reflect His character for His glory. And that's our problem, isn't it? We have failed at that. And so because we are not living as God created us to live, we are poor in spirit. Now, maybe you're thinking this morning, Pastor, I need an upbeat message. 
I, I need something that's going to pump me up and make me feel good and victorious about the day. Why are you telling me that I must be poor in spirit? Well, it's because until we are poor in spirit, we will miss the greatest treasure of all, the person of Jesus Christ. How can I see and savor Jesus the way that he is meant to be seen and savored? It starts by being poor in spirit, by living every day in light of my own spiritual bankruptcy, being honest about my own propensity to sin. So this beatitude is not just for a new, new Christian. This beatitude is for the mature Christian as well. This beatitude teaches the Christian to live with a spirit of humility every day of his or her life. We, we should never be impressed with what we have done. Instead, in humility, we realize that what we really deserve was God's wrath, but in God's great love for us, He's given us life in His Son. More than that, He has given us His Spirit to empower us for Christian living. A fruit of God's grace is that we are thoroughly impressed with Jesus Christ, not, not ourselves. We, we know and we believe with all of our heart that if there is anything good in me, it is God at work in me and through me for His glory. Listen, if you would as I read a very familiar passage found in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Um, and, and here's a passage that kind of just helps us to see the importance of being poor in spirit. And I quote verse 9 of Luke 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So who, who are you most like this morning? The proud Pharisee or the humble tax collector. <laughs> we, we must be poor in spirit. That must, we, we must be quick to acknowledge our own spiritual bankruptcy before God, not, not just when we first become a Christian, but also each and every day of our Christian life. So please, please know that we live in a world that is convinced that all of the answers to man's problems lies within self. The, the spirit of the day is filled with a great love for self. We're at least convinced that there needs to be 
a, a greater love for self. And if we are not careful as Christians, we'll begin to buy into that and be influenced by that as well. Our sinful propensity is to think far too much of ourselves and too little of Christ. And for a Christian, it should be, in fact, the exact opposite. Um, our, our passion in life ought to be to let the world know not how great we are, but how great Jesus Christ is. So being blessed, being a blessed one, is all grace, unmerited favor. And here is proof number two. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit. Now, think about that. The, the kingdom of heaven doesn't belong to those who are good and strong and always do what is right. <laughs> if, if that were the case, none of us would ever be in the kingdom of heaven. Instead, the kingdom of heaven belongs to the one who admits his or her brokenness and sinfulness, knowing that they deserve God's wrath and hell, but repents and trusts in Jesus, the righteous King, who willingly laid down His life as a sacrifice on the cross to pay for our redemption. Some think that the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount are not for us today because they think of the kingdom of heaven only as future. But I want you to notice that the phrase, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is in the present tense. It's not in a future tense. It, it's true that the full manifestation of the kingdom will be future in the age to come, on the new heavens and the new earth, when Jesus Christ inaugurated the kingdom. And if we are poor in spirit, the text says theirs is, present tense, theirs is the kingdom of heaven today. So don't think about the kingdom in a geopolitical way. Jesus uh, is now reigning as king over all of the earth. Jesus defeated sin and death through his death and resurrection and is now given all authority by the Father to reign as king. And we enter into the kingdom and we live under his care and leadership and protection when we are born again and we repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom, the kingdom of man is terribly broken. Um, it all started in the Garden of Eden when Adam decided to go his own way rather than God's way. Adam wanted to be king. <laughs> Isn't isn't that where we struggle mightily today, too? We, we want life to be just the way we want life to be. But what happens when we do what we want without any regard for God? How, how well do we really do it running our own lives? When, when we want problems to be gone and so we drown them in alcohol or drugs again and again, what happens to our life? We... We become ruled and mastered by a harsh taskmaster. When we crave acceptance from other people more than anything else, and we begin to 
compromise and do anything to gain people's acceptance? What happens to our hearts? Again, we're ruled by a harsh taskmaster, and the very thing that we want so desperately will elude us and never satisfy us. When, when we want to be king of our own lives, and we want life just the way we want life, what happens when it doesn't go the way that we want it to go? Our lives will be filled with anxiety and worry and fear and anger and rage and jealousy and all sorts of brokenness. That's the sad news of the kingdom of man. But there is hope. <laughs> Jesus came to this earth. He, he came announcing that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king is here, is what Jesus began his ministry, his earthly ministry saying. The king is here. Jesus preached the good news of the kingdom. And Jesus began to heal and to set free and to restore and to renew. And so I want to say to you this morning, look, look to Jesus. Look, look to Jesus, even as uh, the verse that we read from Colossians is more, just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so continue to walk in him. Late, later on in that very same passage, it appeals to us, don't, don't be distracted away from the superior worth of Jesus. I, I want to say to you this morning, Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And when you do that, you will be poor in spirit because you'll be impressed with Jesus, not yourself. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Be ready to continue putting your eyes on Jesus. Our hearts really ought to surge with the words of the psalmist in Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26, it says this, Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's where our confidence needs to be. Why? It's because Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That, that is amazing grace. What wonderful, amazing grace that really is. And so this morning, more than anything else, my prayer is that your heart will be strengthened by that grace today. Um, the question is, how, how might the Spirit of God want you to respond to his word this morning? Let me just mention two things. If we think about this idea of being blessed, a blessed one, the, the one who God considers blessed, the, the one who has evidence of having received favor, undeserved favor from God, um, if you are a blessed one, you will be poor in spirit. You won't be impressed with yourself. You'll be impressed with God. So as you reflect upon that, maybe this morning, maybe this morning, you, you need to repent. Maybe you're self-righteous. Be, being self-righteous is really the opposite of being poor in spirit. Um, now, 
I think most people don't think that they are self-righteous. But but let me ask you some questions that maybe will help reveal self-righteousness that's hidden away in your heart that you're not even aware of fully. Are you impatient with people and all of their shortcomings? When people let you down, when people do dumb things, are, are you impatient with them? Do, do you find yourself being quick to anger? You get angry with people. You, you, you just are not happy with the dumb things that people do and it bothers you and it upsets you. Are, are you judgmental? Are you quick to judge? Do you form judgments against people because of the, of, of the stupid, dumb things that they do in life? When someone else fails and they sin and they blow it, are you merciful towards them? Does your heart bleed with mercy for them in their failure just as Jesus has been merciful to you? So if if you find yourself, you know what, maybe there is more self-righteousness in my heart than I'm even aware of. In right response to this passage this morning, maybe you need to repent. Maybe you're, maybe you're proud. Again, I think this is similar to being self-righteous. Being proud is, is on the opposite end of the spectrum from being poor in spirit. Um, so a couple of questions. Let me ask, are, do you think you're always right? Do you basically go live in relationships where you think you're always right? <laughs> Everyone else is wrong. You're always right. Are, are you quick to be defensive when you are challenged or corrected? If you think you're always right and someone corrects you or challenges you, it's understandable why you would be so defensive because well, I'm, I've thought through that. I, I couldn't be wrong. Are most conversations that you have with people mostly about you, or is it about them, about others? Would you say that you are too sure of yourself? Are you surprised when you're wrong? Are are you ever wanting to be your own king, controlling life just the way that you want it to be? I think all of those kinds of things are a manifestation of a heart that's filled with pride, not being poor in spirit. And if that's where you're at this morning, I would encourage you to repent and express your sorrow to God for those things and turn away from that and look to Jesus. Uh, The Spirit wants to produce in you and me a spirit that is poor, poor in spirit. Um, the Beatitudes aren't just for unbelievers. The, the Beatitudes are for you and me today. Um, we can be a believer, we can be a believer for many years, but until the day that we're ushered into the presence of Jesus, we're going to continue to grow and change. And that happens, I mean, the Spirit of God just reveals things little by little in, in our hearts and lives so that, so that we can change. And so repentance is a good thing. 
When, when we see, I, I need to repent, it's like, thank you, Jesus, for showing me what's really in my heart so that I can turn away from that and turn to Christ. So this morning, when you think about this first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe this morning you just need to be encouraged, too. Um, you, you and I experience weaknesses. We fail. We blow it. We sin. And, and when we do, it weighs heavy on our hearts. And, and maybe this morning, this idea of being poor in spirit reminds you that there is a, there is a Savior. There is a Redeemer. Praise God for that. He's a Redeemer that is gracious and merciful. And He has loved me. He has loved you by giving Himself on the cross to bring you into His kingdom. <laughs> and, into his king and in His kingdom, you will find forgiveness. You will find peace. You'll find joy. You'll find satisfaction. You'll find life. <laughs> Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us when we make more of ourselves than we do of you. Forgive us when we trust ourselves more than we trust you. Forgive us when we celebrate our own solutions to life's problems and ignore what you have done to remedy our sin. Forgive us when we don't make much of Christ as he deserves. And I pray that you would, by your Spirit, cause all of us to grow in being poor in spirit, to think more of Christ and less of, less of ourselves. And Father, I pray too that this morning, if we see that growing in our life, we'll recognize it's it's your grace. It's you at work in us. Left, left to our own devices, we'd never end up poor in spirit. But by your spirit, we can be poor in spirit where we're not too sure of ourselves, but we are absolutely sure of Jesus. So Father, would you do that work in us in ever-increasing ways for our good and for the glory of your matchless name, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.